Welcome to I Hope This Finds You. Today my guest is Shannon Griffin, a wonderful family and boudoir photographer. We're going to be talking about self-image, self-care, and all things motherhood. Content warning, we are adults having adult conversations, and we tackle some adult themes. So this one's not for the kiddos, but you're definitely going to want to tune in. That would be very (laughs) much in line with my day if I like did the whole thing and then had not recorded any of it. That's my life. (laughs) It's really, really um, almost like ridiculous and funny how mom brain is such a real thing. Yeah. When I, and my memory was already awful before I had Maeve and now it's just a whole like we're, like memory was bad, but now I'm trying to form words. I'm, I look at my husband and I get stuck and he's like, and then he says the word for me and I'm like, thank you. And I'm conscious of it because he has a stutter. So I like, he, he gets offended if I like try to step in, but like this one, I'm like, no, I need, like, I'm not functioning here. Like I need you to just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's like working with technology. I cannot figure it out anymore oh yeah 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 no Mm-mm. no mm-hmm. always very <laughs> fun so um fun story I know we rescheduled because last week when you we were supposed to talk I had this crazy cold I sounded yes. um like the character in a sitcom who's supposed to be like the old aunt <laughs> I really did and then today I totally forgot I had dental work this morning so half of my face is totally numb I'm like this is great (laughs) I love you I know it's just like a weird oh things I never thought about when I was like I'm gonna do a podcast it's like oh (laughs) real life real life schedule around real life and just do you feel like you're okay to like you sound good but do you because I okay because I was gonna say I could do it tomorrow too if you need me to no I'm feeling good I'm so excited to get to chat with you um I just (laughs) like I can I think I'm making correct sounds with my mouth you are Um, how long ago did you like when did you end the appointment I got home around 10 and they had to numb yeah like half my face it was just a cleaning but I am such a wimp at the dentist which I think is normal yes it's very I think a lot of people hate the dentist and I really hate the dentist to the point where I'm like I know I have to be here but I hate every second of it. And my body yeah. is, and my nervous system is like screaming at me the whole time. Yeah. Like, get out. This is not safe. People are attacking your mouth. Yeah, absolutely. And so. I know so <laughs> many people have. I'm that weirdo that like, Dennis doesn't bother me. Doctor does. And it's like, I know most people are revert. Like I pass out at the guy now. Like Dennis, I'm fine. But I've had so much dental work done since I was a small child that I think I just got used Here's what I tell people. I feel like a big, because a lot of it's anxiety, right? Like, yes, it's painful at times, but it's mostly the thought of it. And I was like, I think what it is, is that the dentist isn't going to tell me I'm dying. Like if I go to the doctor, they could be like, you have cancer. You have a month to live. You have meningitis. And the dentist is like, you have some cavities and you need a root canal. I'm like, while this sucks, I don't have that fear there. If that makes sense. Yes. 
I do think that makes a lot of sense. And I also feel a lot of anxiety around doctor's appointments and things like that. I think it's just the like lizard brain part of me that's like someone is holding you down. There are sharp things in your mouth, like run, fight, (laughs) get out of this situation. And so it's really weird. Like the whole time I'm there, I'm like trying to just like turn off my nervous system. I'm like, yeah. we're not actually in danger. I know that it seems so like hard. we're in danger, but this is not actually a dangerous situation. So calm down. I notice myself. I'm yeah. like, my muscles are all tense. I have to relax my muscles. Yep. I am listening yep. to like meditation playlists, just trying to like, and your body's like <laughs> mm-hmm. you should so go it's... to one of the sedation places. I know I do really like my dentist and they're very nice about it like last time I tried to clean my teeth and I was like this is too painful and they were like okay we're gonna like next time you come back we're gonna completely numb you yeah my mom that's what we did today she has to get deep cleanings and she has to get numb too I'll tell you what there is when I went for my cleaning uh I was like last month um they like and have a cavity but they like hit a nerve there is no pain I was like like that pain is so unreal when they hit that nerve and then she just stays on it and I'm like I'm gonna punch you in your face like she doesn't know she's hitting it and I'm such a people <laughs> pleaser that, that I'm just sitting there like this is fine everything's fine and inside I'm dying like di- I'm like just I'd rather die I'd rather not be here so I get it I tell them that up front. I'm like, like, how are you today? And I'm like, well, I'm at the dentist, which is literally the worst case scenario (laughs) for me. (laughs) I don't hate you personally, but I hate everything you represent and everything you're about to do. So like, just know. Dentists have one of the highest suicide rates. And I'm sure it's because most people hate going to them. Yep. I, yeah, I, I try to be very upfront with it because of that. I'm like, yeah. it's not you. I hate you know that how used here. to it they are. Like, get out of here. Get out of here. I had to take Maeve yesterday to the dentist because we were on the boat Sunday. First time she's ever been out on our boat. We're, we get 20 minutes out and it takes a while because you're on the intercoastal. 20 mi- minutes down. We're going so slow. I'm like, she's fine walking around. So stupid. She trips. Hits her mouth on the bench. Front tooth too. Front tooth totally loose. And I'm like, if they have to pull this, she won't have a tooth until her permanent teeth come in. What if she has to have surgery? I'm freaking out. So we have to turn the boat around. She's blood everywhere, screaming. Sunday, I try calling like 15 different emergency. Two of them say they're open. So I just start driving because no one's answered. I drove like 40 minutes this way. They weren't open. I drove and she's just in the back of the car. Fine. But like, I'm like, she's going to have dental surgery. They're going to have to extract her teeth. And so, yeah, we had to go yesterday. She had x-rays and stuff, but all to say they're used to it from two years on. She, I mean, she was screaming, so they're used to it. So, yeah, that was fun. I know. Yeah, I asked my dentist. I'm like, is there anyone in town who will just like put me under? She's like, some of the yeah. pediatric dentists will, but I don't <laughs> know that they'll take you as an adult patient. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah, we have, we have like, if you Google it here, but we're in South Florida, so there's so many doctors and dentists, but they have like, they're called like sedation clinics where they specialize like in sedation. That's why I said it, but maybe they don't have that in Tallahassee. I haven't seen it, but it sounds nice. <laughs> I mean, even disregarding dental work, like there are yeah. days I when I would just James like to be gonna, sedated James for a bit. Be like, 
why is Megan have a, an appointment every month? And our insurance isn't even comp- like this is very expensive. <laughs> He's That's like, I'll knock you out. You don't have to go to the dentist. I'll get you drugs. <laughs> No, that is, I mean, that definitely feels like something there would be a market for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it nit- nitrous? Nitrous. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the helium like shit. Yeah. Yeah. But we're a little behind the trend in Tallahassee, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we we have everything. It's fine. a couple fancy <laughs> medicine things, but not that much. Fancy medicine things. Yeah, fancy medicine. So thank you so much for jumping on this podcast with me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I'm excited to bring the wonderfulness that is just like you and your thoughts and your person to hopefully some people who haven't gotten to meet you or experience you yet. One of the reasons I, well, I initially met you because I hired you to photograph my wedding and you are still like one of the most artful photographers of women and families that I have ever seen in the like commercial space. And I'm so, (laughs) I love you too. I'm just so (laughs) impressed by like all of your photos are pieces of art it's not you know the standard sort of like and now we all stand in a line and we get the picture taken and we put our smiles on so that's the way i first came to know you is through your photography and i was wondering when you remember being drawn to photography and was it something you always knew you wanted to do professionally yeah i was uh i remember it vividly i was 16 and i was at a family member's wedding and my granddad had remarried and she had a camera with her and she was, she was film. So she's like, go wild. And she jokes about like, later I handed her like 16 rolls of film when the wedding was over. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll get all these develops. But there was something about the mechanics of it and holding it. And more than that, just capturing people like documentary style really appealed to me. Um, and then I got my first camera that Christmas. And I remember my best friend and I used to go out every weekend in high school and she lived on the water and she had this long dock and I would take portraits of her like every weekend, like fashion portraits. That's what we did. We would ride our bikes to Walgreens, do the one hour, wait there, and then have the photos back rush to her house to look through all of them. That was like what we did every weekend. And so there was that feeling and, and you know, I could get into it, but I think a big per- reason why I do in person with photography after the session now um, really speaks to being able to sit with my best friend when we were 16 and watching her face as we like physically went through the photos. And it's that selfish side of me. I, I want them to have the experience, but there's also like when I watch people look at themselves um, after I've captured them and it's them like it's true. Like I don't over edit my photos. It's truly them. But a lot of times people don't really see themselves. And so when I get to see them just in awe, like, especially if it's their children or like a boudoir session to me, that just, it keeps me passionate about it. And I love it so much. So long story, but that's where I got started with it. So since I was about 16. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 16. And so I remember my in-person session with you after my um wedding oh my gosh and I was such a newbie then 
I was such a like I had no idea and I was so scared Megan but I think you were one of the first because I was like if I'm gonna do this like you and I had such a bond from the beginning and you're such a warm caring like I knew you'd hold my hand like even though I was the one I knew <laughs> you'd be like oh this is amazing like even if I messed up you'd be like I'm so happy to be here <laughs> so I was like let me try this with Megan I see, swear I think you were the first person I did it with like truly isn't that crazy? That is amazing to me yeah. because I was like, oh, I guess this is just what she does all the time. Like what a <laughs> lovely touch because photography is so, it's becoming like more and more almost like essential in our world. Yeah. Yep. And it has in a lot of ways become pretty impersonal. Like you yeah. go, you get the photos, you get like a file, it's in your folder somewhere in your yeah. email on your computer. You never really have that moment that yeah. you used to have as kids of like getting the pictures and sitting yes. and going through them together. And I just assumed that you had always been doing that, that that was just like part of your business model. Nope. <laughs> So thank you. And I really loved it because it was really fun. I mean, what a weird position to be in as like a wedding, any sort of wedding service provider, because it's one of the most intimate and important days of people's lives. Yeah. You're right in for all of it as the photographer. You're like really like steps from the bride and groom on oh, yeah. the most important day oh, yeah. or bride and bride or groom and groom or however this particular wedding is going. And, and then you just like disappear from their lives. It was wonderful <laughs> to be able to like reconnect after. Yeah. And sit down and go through the photos and be able to see it a really sort of calm, almost like a salon kind of like environment. Yeah. Like we're, you know, oh, I love hearing that. You had wine ready for me. And oh, yeah. And it for was myself, just really I was cool. like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. And um, it's interesting to hear that, that was one of the first times because it mm -hmm. felt for me really cozy and I felt Good. very cared for, which I think I'm is glad. really important with any sort of photography, but especially yeah. like wedding, boudoir, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad yeah. that you had that experience. That's so funny. This is the first time we're talking about like you were you were my first. I'm honored. And I really, I really did have a great time. I think Good. it's important to, and you do a lot of your work and you sort of specialize in creating these art pieces yeah. that people can then put in a photo album or put up on their walls. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about the importance of that to you in a in an age where so many photographers are just sending out, you know, the social media ratio yeah. like photos to put on because they know that everyone's just going to take these photos and upload them to Facebook or Instagram and Absolutely. then that's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many facets. So for me, I think a big part of it is because I started in film. So I think about, okay, if, if it were back in the day, like when I started, I wasn't you handing a digital file was like handing a negative, like that would be so weird for me to photograph you and be like, here, Megan, here's 60 negatives. Now figure out what to do with them. That's what that feels like to me. So not only that, but there's such a big like quality control. It's, it's crazy for me to spend so much time with somebody and for them to invest so much money and energy and just 
part of themselves with me to then go now figure out what to do with this. So me being able to use who I use for my printing and my album artisan and all of that to say, here is the final gift. Like, here is how you should do this. So I do a lot of big, like framed art for my clients. Um, and I come to their home and we measure the walls and we do all of it. Like, that's what I mostly do. And so it's just one of those things that's like, they're not, I'm not showing them like a hundred frame corners. I, I literally come in their home. I see what their decor looks like. I see the type of art that they already collect. Cause a lot of my clients are already art collectors or just really appreciate. They love museums, all of that. So I go in and I literally like design gallery walls for them in my program, show, show them what it'll look like on the wall. And then like, this is the frame you need. This is the size mat you need. Like, and they trust me. It, and it's just, I know for myself, I get decision paralysis. Like I don't have art in my house and we've lived here three years. Like, and this is what I do for a living. It's like, you know, it's the architect that like his wife has a million projects and he's like, why? Well, I don't know. I, I can't do it. So I know for me, if I was hiring somebody, I would be like, Hey, I want you to do this for me because I have no idea where to hang this. I don't know what size I need. I don't even know where to go for a quality photo. Like, I don't want them to go to Walgreens. I don't want them to go to Costco. So there's, there's so many like technical reasons. The biggest reason for me is that I know what a photograph can do for somebody confidence wise. I know what a photograph can do to change somebody's life. And there's so many studies, especially for children that say, if you have photos of children, like hanging in their home, their confidence is so much higher because they see that you value them. They see, they come home and they're like, oh, like mom and dad did this. Like I'm on the wall. They must love me. So it's one of those things where to me, it just, why did I get into photography? Because I wanted people to see themselves and be moved. How are they going to do that sitting on a computer? Like how often are they going to come sit on a computer and look at their photos? It just doesn't happen. So, I mean, there's just, there's, I could go on and on. There's so many reasons, so many reasons why I think it's so important. And the instant gratification, like you said, like photos are everywhere. Everyone, iPhones are incredible. Like they take incredible photos. When I'm on vacation, I don't take my, my camera. I take my iPhone. So it's just slowing down and having that, like, you don't need it right now. Enjoy the moment. And then I'm going to create this art for you. It's so powerful because I do Thank think you. that I have, <laughs> I really do have so many, I think it was a ridiculous number, like 800 or something photos from yeah. my wedding day. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, <laughs> and I know it's that overwhelming. it is overwhelming to yeah. go through that yeah. and to have to pick your favorites and to yeah. have to put them in an album by yourself. I mean, almost everything about being a woman is overwhelming, let alone being oh, a yeah. woman who's like planning and then doing the follow-up for a wedding or a special event. It's a lot. And so I've yeah. definitely had photo shoots done where I got all of these beautiful edits back and they are still sitting. I have photos from our like family session when my kid was three months old he's almost three years old and we still haven't decided what we're doing with these I pictures i know 
I'm definitely going to be putting some on the walls now, though, after hearing that. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? That's so, I did a whole blog post on it. I just, but when you, I mean, logically, when you feel like, of course, like, how, how could they not feel loved if you, like, not only, like, hired a photographer to come do it, but I tell people to, even if you don't, like, so Maeve, every, like, month or so, I go through her daycare photos that they send me and then some of like her, her grandparents and some of her dad and me and the dogs. And I make her like, this is so silly. I use Shutterfly for them. And like, I'm so like, you know, I do multiple thousand dollar albums for my clients. But for this stuff, I'm like, it's just iPhone photos. Like, cause the problem is we get, again, the paralysis where it's like, I'm going to make an album. I'm going to, and I'm so every month I'm just like, let me go make her a $15 album. I don't care if she messes it up. Like it's hers. It's hers to have. And she lights up. She calls it her papa book because it's got a photo of her granddaughter on the front. She's like, can I see my papa book? Can I see my papa book? And the other one, like with her daycare friends, she's in the backseat in the car and I hear her like calling out their names and she's like, we're playing in the water. We're playing. Like they just want to see themselves. They want to see themselves. And because you think about us too, like we're always taking selfies. We see ourselves. We look in the mirror. We do our makeup. Like children aren't doing that. So imagine what that feels like to like be reflected. Not only that, the way that we see them and the way that we photograph them is so loving. And so to see themselves like that. So, so I tell people, I'm like, if you don't hire me, like just get them printed, get them printed, get them printed. I don't care where you do it, just print them because your babies want to see it. Like they want to see it. So yeah. I love that so much. I haven't thought about it that way, but I do see like the way we have a couple um, pictures on our fridge. My kids daycare sent home like their little newsletter and my kid is on the front page playing with his friend. Stop. So we hung it on our fridge and he is like, that's me. See? See? It is. It's really powerful being able to see yourself from the outside. And there's something about taking a photograph that says, we're going to put a frame around this moment, this person, yeah. and we're going to say this is important and this is worth looking at. Bingo. You said it better than me. That's exact. That's it right there. It's worth it. Like it's, we picked a moment that was so beautiful to us that we want to put a frame around it and put it on our wall to be permanent. Like yeah. it's, it's just so beautiful. It's a beautiful sentiment. So why do you think it is so hard then for so many women to step in front of the camera. I know even you, right? As a photographer, <laughs> it's still hard for you to step it's in It's my the least camera. favorite thing to do. It's my least favorite thing to do, honestly. Um, I think, oh God, I mean, society, what we were, we were raised with Cosmopolitan. We were raised hearing that Britney Spears and Jessica Simpson were fat. Like, I just feel as women, we're very much told that our value decreases as we get older and men are silver foxes and dad bods and like, you know, they're dating the 20 year old, like Jack Nicholson, like, and meanwhile, they post pictures of actresses and they're like, what Botox did she get? And she looks so old and she's fat now. And it's just like, oh my God. So, I mean, even, I feel like even our mother's generation with the best intentions, like I watched my mother, my mother wouldn't get changed in front of us. She was so ashamed of her body. I never saw my mother naked. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, walk. My, my husband's like, Shannon, the <laughs> windows are open. And I'm like, well, you're welcome or don't look. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So I think a lot of that is just a, it's generational, uh, societal. And then I think that a lot of it too is like when we're taking selfies or photos of ourselves, we know our angles, right? And we won't, we leave parts out. And it's like when we step in front of a camera, it's a very true reflection 
of who we are. And sometimes that's scary. Um, and also when you're doing photos like that, you're not, if you're really into it, which I want my clients to be there, I'm catching them in moments that they, if they were taking photos of themselves, they would not be natural like that. So I think just seeing yourself in a different way can be really scary sometimes, like really, really scary. And it's vulnerable. Like being vulnerable is hard. Um, I think, I think there's a, and I, and what really bothers me is photographers that don't get to know their clients before they photograph them, because I feel like it's such a vulnerable thing that you should really like to their core, get to know who they are as people so that you can kind of combat that before it even happens. Cause so for me, so much of the process is before the camera even comes out. Like we need to build that trust before you ever step in front of my camera. It's huge to me. That was something that was really unique for me when I started working with you. I grew up in like New Jersey, the land of like in the the era of like Sears family yes. photographs yeah. where it's like, come in, yeah. get it done, get the one picture framed on your wall, yeah. get out. Like that's it. Yeah. And I knew that that was never really what I wanted, but being yeah. able to like chat with you on the phone and talk to you about like, like you got to know me we had a lot of conversations before the actual wedding several of which probably saved the whole day with you being like you need a wedding timeline <laughs> to like have people who are informed about what is supposed to be happening and when at this your is wedding gonna be a shirt show <laughs> you know it was so helpful but and then the day of it just felt so much easier to be natural it felt like we had, you know, another friend at our wedding who was taking oh, pictures instead of, I mean, it was just an amazing experience. And when I contrast that to, you know, recently I did a photo shoot when I was on a girl's trip with a friend and I invited her to be in like, do you want to do a photo shoot at the same time? We can do parts of it together and then we can each have our yeah, own things. Yeah. And she was so just like activated almost triggered by the idea of having to do a photo shoot because yeah. the last one she had been at she went through all the pictures and felt like maybe one of them she liked no oh, that breaks my heart yeah and it really is i think the difference is do you know who you're working with do you have an idea yeah. of like not only what do they think they want pictures of but how are they feeling in this time of their yeah. life what are their like favorite parts about their cells not physically yeah. but like what yes what kind of art are you making yes. here yes yeah and, and i think and i think too getting to a place in your in your business where i mean this this does not happen often at all but i mean i've had to, the boundaries but also just i don't want to waste anybody's time or money and knowing when it when to be like there's no amount of getting to know you. There's no amount of Photoshop. There's no, well, you're not going to like these photos because you don't like who you are. And I need you to go to therapy before you come to me. Like I've had, like I've had a woman that I had to like pretty much be like, you're not going to enjoy this. And, and again, it's not just me being like, Oh, what a pain. I'm not going to want to work. Not at all. Like I go really deep with my clients. I give a lot of myself, but this was one where I, the way she was talking about herself, I was like, I'm not a magician. Like you really, really need to talk to somebody because this is like beyond wanting a pretty photo of yourself. So I think really, I think that's a part of being an artist too, is knowing who to say yes to and who to say no to for sure, for sure. But that makes me really sad that she had that experience. And I hope that 
she can have a, a wonderful experience one day. And I hope that it can change that for her because that's, it's devastating that because then you're like, is that what I look like? Is that what people see? Is that how people see me? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Or even just things about, you know, outfit choice and lighting yes. and yes. hair and makeup where 100%. I remember for me, I, I don't wear, <laughs> you know, I'm not a hair and makeup kind of girly. Like yeah, you don't need it. I just never learned about that. And so I've never really yeah. felt comfortable with like a full face of makeup or my hair done yeah. up. And so when I, I mean, when I did my boudoir session with you, I was like, yeah, I, it's going to be like the underwear I've got in my drawer. It's going to be yep. in my house. It's going to be like, I'm doing my hair, how I would maybe do it for a nice night yep. out, but I am not going to have someone come in and make me look like someone different. Cause I yes. think that can be really tough too. And yep. you get the pictures back and you look at them and you think, oh, these are beautiful pictures. That's a beautiful woman, but also she doesn't look like me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm considered in the luxury market and I, I know a lot of photographers that are like, you don't offer hair and make like, that's my clients. There's no way. And for me, a lot of my clients already, like they go to galas, they go, they go to these things. So they have their own hair and makeup artists. I off like I have, trust me, I have like a handful that I use, but it's not like built into it. And that's why for a big, big sector of the women that I photograph, they're like, I just want to come as I am. Like my partner thinks I'm sexy that way. I think I'm sexy that way. So it's something that I didn't want to push. That's why right there. That is why, because it's just, I know when I've gotten my hair, even the best, there's something about that. I'm just like, I don't feel like me. Like, I don't feel like myself. So I totally, I'm so glad that you said that. Cause I totally agree with you. Totally. And by the way, you were a smoke show during your boudoir thank session thank you so. oh my gosh i love those pictures so much so i do too I love... <laughs> so so much um for me that was like a, a birthday present to myself because yeah. i was turning 30 that year i was going yeah. through like reflecting on my life feeling a lot of feelings as yeah. you do <laughs> when we turn 30 yeah and I remember looking back at pictures of myself in college and being like, God, what a smoke show. And then remembering that at the time that picture every was woman. taken. This is every woman's <laughs> story. Every woman. That's why I'm like, do the photos now. Do the photos now. Because guess what? 20 years from now, you're going to be like, what? I thought, what? I was a babe. <laughs> what yeah, so Megan? I was like, oh, like, let's do that. Let's celebrate, like, your 30 year old body. And I remember in the couple weeks leading up to it, getting caught in my head a few times, like, oh, should I like do a few more workout classes? Should I do a juice cleanse or something? And being like, no, this isn't, for me, my boudoir session wasn't, it was almost like a therapy session. I was like, yeah. this yeah. is a practice and me being like, I'm gonna show up in my body, how my yep. body is. Yep, and celebrate her. Like, yeah, and celebrate it. And then having someone who knows how to like capture it in beautiful light. Yes. And like yeah. maybe some interesting, <laughs> in some interesting positions that I wouldn't have yeah. thought of. I mean, like I was behind a curtain at one point. I was like, oh, these so are fun. not ever ways I would look at myself. 
Yeah. And to be able to have someone come from the outside and be like, look at you, like you are yeah. beautiful without changing anything. Like yeah. I have the receipts now, I have the photographic yeah. evidence. And for me, my album uh, for my boudoir session lives on my dresser. And mm -hmm. on the days when I go to get dressed and I'm like, you're looking in the mirror thinking you're trash, like nothing looks good on you you can't go out like this you just like you need to lose weight you need to do x y and z i take out that album and i look through it and i'm like no you're beautiful yeah. and that's what it has been for yeah. me as this little like touchstone on the days when i feel really physically judgmental of myself to have yeah. the receipts of no yeah. look at how gorgeous you are Look at how wonderful yeah. your body is. And just because you're not seeing it in the mirror doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. And it's, it's, ugh, it's beautiful. Um, and also I, I think about, I'm not alone. And since having my daughter where I, of course, am the most critical of myself. And it's just like, that's where I get so, so mad at society because I'm like, I literally grew a baby. My organs moved. First of all, to fit her in there. That's to me is like bananas. Move back. <laughs> um, got a third degree tear, um, pushed her out of my body, and then kept her alive solely off my boobs for six months of her life. Like, and, and knowing all of that logically and the way that I can say that to other women and like celebrate her. She's healthy. She did this. She gave life. Even if she didn't give life, she's standing, like whatever. And to be able to look in the mirror and be like, your stomach's disgusting. Like your boobs are gross. Your skin looks awful. Like that's that right there is just like, I, I mean, I wasn't even really going anywhere with that. But when you were talking about like why it's so important and you know, why women are afraid to step in the care because we say things to ourselves that we would never say to somebody else all the time. I would never look at my best friend and be like, you disgusting. Ugh, look at your baby belly. I look at her and I'm like, damn, like, you had kids and you look like that, like you're perfect. You're per. but I can't, there's some, there's this disconnect there that it's like, it's just so hard to say it to yourself. So hard. It's mm -hmm. so hard. Yeah. It is. We're meaner to ourselves than we would ever be to anyone else. It's so hard. And then having kids, you look at your kids and you think like, oh my gosh, if anyone ever talked to them this way, or if I knew they were talking to themselves this way, it would break my heart. Yeah. 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 But I have to be, I have to be so care careful because I'll, I, you know, I'm, I've got the horrible like eczema going on right now and my skin is awful. Like, and I can't, it's been a year and I can't get it under control. It's been since I've had Maeve and something's going on. And she has eczema too. And it's not like this, that she has it. And I'll say something, I'm like, I look like a monster. And Matt looks at me and he's like, what if she has, what if she has this? Like um, what you're saying, oh, I'm getting emotional. And it's just like, I have, to, she has changed me in that way where I have like stop. And I'm like, I don't think that she looks like a monster when she has eczema on her face. Like, why do I talk to myself like that? So yeah, it's a, I feel like I'll be working on it the rest of my life. Um, I do feel like the younger generations do have a better chance because I think because we're having these conversations and we're raising these children. Um, and it's like you having this podcast and us being able to talk about this stuff is huge. Our, our moms didn't have this. Are you kidding me? Our moms no. live in shame. shame. It's so hard to talk about this with my mom. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Oh, 
one. My mom's like, you're beautiful. You're perfect. I'm like, mom, I heard you talk about yourself. You used to cry in the dressing room when you would try on clothes in front of me and be like, you mm. fat cow to herself. Like, that's what I heard growing up. Yeah. When I was pregnant, one of the things I was so afraid of, and my mom had talked to me, like, growing up, she was, my mom is very feminist and very yeah. ahead yeah. of her time in a, a whole lot of ways. Um, but you can't escape, like, the body negativity no. that you're living in. And her body changed so much when she had children. And so, you know, I've seen her talk about pictures of herself and talk about how, like, you know, she just never got her body back after kids. And like, no. the, you know, her belly is like because of her kids and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, the baggage that that put in my head around the idea of having children. Yes, yes. Same. And what it would do to me physically. And then yeah. realizing like afterwards, I do. My body did change in a lot of the same ways my mom's did because yeah. genetically we're very similar. Yeah. Right. Um, and just looking at my body now and being like, I hate that my mom went through that because she was younger than I was when I had my first kid. So she, you know, she probably had me when she was in her mid twenties and I was in my thirties. Yeah. A little bit more perspective. I had years and years of like learning about the way society criticizes women's bodies. And even so I'm looking in the mirror thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this is a whole different person. And aren't you exhausted? Aren't you exhausted of talking about it? Aren't you exhausted of it being a topic on your podcast, aren't you tired of, I was in the shower the other day and I had, I was getting ready for a client zoom call where we were going to do our ordering session over zoom. And I'm in the shower and I'm like, I got to blow dry my hair. I have to put my makeup on. I have to do this. And I, I get, I got angry. I was like, men get to just show up. Like I want to just, and I could, like, I know technically I could just come in like this and show up, but there's this perceived, like, I have to look a certain way. Like it just is the way that it is. And yes, it's getting better. And I know some of that's my fault and I should push against it, but it's like, I'm just exhausted by it. Like, I just want to exist. Like men get to exist. Like that's, that's all I want. I don't want to be compared to somebody else. I don't want to be told that I have a mom bod. Like it just, it's just, I I, I don't know. Like I'm just exhausted by it. I'm exhausted by it. It is exhausting. And I, I think that even if you choose to, you know, to just show up, it's still exhausting because you know, you're making a choice, you know, you're making a statement, right? And you're sort of doing work. So I used to do that when I had an office job. I was working at a university. Almost everyone that I saw on a day-to-day basis was between the ages of 18 and 22. Like in you know, and um, I, so I just sort of made the choice like, well, I'm never, I I don't want to wake up an extra hour early to make yeah. sure my hair looks perfect, to make sure I've got my makeup yeah. right, to make sure I'm dressed in something that's tasteful and fashionable and office appropriate, like, and weather appropriate. Exhausting. It's like, Exhausting. It's so much. So I just decided, like, I'm just going to show up. I'm not going to do my hair every day. I'm not going to do my makeup. And it wasn't the norm in my workplace to show up like that. 
Yeah. And so I'm just sort of like doing it with the extra baggage of, yes, maybe I saved some time in the morning and I got to sleep in, but also in the background is running the script of like, I know I'm doing something that could be holding me back, that could be influencing yeah. the way people think yeah. about me or treat me. It's because it doesn't matter if you catch up, you, everyone around you has to cut. I think about that with, I'm like, you know what? I want to stop shaving like the whole area. I want, and I live in South Florida, so like bathing suits, but then I get so, like, it doesn't bother me. But then I think about how is everyone around me going to feel and are they going to be uncomfortable? So then I do it and then I'm uncomfortable and I'm itchy and I don't want to do it. But then it's like, <laughs> you have to wait for society to catch up, right? Because Or you have to be someone that has such thick skin that you're like, off, I don't care. And I'm just like, I'm in that weird middle place where I'm like, I don't care, but I do care. And like you said, okay. if I show up to a meeting and I like haven't covered up my eczema, are they going to be able to look at their pictures and focus on their pictures? Are they going to be like, what is wrong with her face? Like, and it just, it's exhaust like it's exhausting. Every time I get on a zoom with someone or I meet someone or I go to a networking event, I'm like, Oh man, my eczema. Like, I feel like I have to talk about it to then not talk about it. Like I'm just exhausted. <laughs> so tired of it. Like I'm tired of it. It is yeah. exhausting. And I feel like as a society, we're maybe going in like the wrong direction where we're like getting more equality, but only because we're putting more expectations onto men too. I don't know what it's the like, answer is anymore. That's the wrong way. Can we just all show up <laughs> in bodies? I mean, it's crazy. I The amount of time I think the average woman spends thinking about the way she looks. Yeah regardless of what you decide to do about it or what you decide to not do about it, there's a huge amount of thought work that goes into just constantly thinking about how you look to other people. And so that's really interesting as a, as a photographer, right? Um, I don't know how to put this, but like we are living in a photographed world right so we exist on the internet mostly via photos and videos now and Mm -hmm. kids are growing up with selfies and videos of themselves and i guess where would you draw the line between wanting to have like nice pictures and like being able to invest in photographs and all of this stuff and the way it maybe does play into the way we objectify ourselves. I think a lot of it has to do with the approach. Like I said, like if someone were to come to me and they're like, I love your work, but I really like, do you have an editor that could like slim me down? Do you have someone who can make me smaller do you, I mean, I've seen photographers post, they don't say their client's information, but they're like, okay. And it's like a photography group, like, okay, I have this client and they have like, you know, an eight year old and they want me to like liquefy her and make her thinner. And I'm like, oh, like that, like, cause then you, it's not just the, you know, what's going on behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Like if they're that brazen to ask a stranger for that, so what are they saying to this child? So I think my approach of being in more documentary style and just really capturing those moments. Yes, I make sure that it's a flattering photo and, you know, mom's not looking down with three chins kind of thing. Cause we all do. We all have, we, I, you know, when you, you're on your phone and you accidentally open it and it's the camera facing you and you're like, <laughs> oh my God. 
Like, of course, we have like moments we don't, no matter how beautiful we are, we do, we just don't want captured, right? Like if I'm squatting to pick something up, please don't get that of me. That's just not flattering. So yes, I'm very mindful of the movements of the people that I photograph, but I'm also not contriving them to be anything that they aren't. So I think really just capturing people how they are in those moments is very important to me. So even in boudoir, like I very much, I'm gonna help you get into some poses if, if you're not really feeling it at first, which, which most people aren't, but those aren't the ones I usually like deliver. It's when you start feeling good and you're in your natural rhythm and I'm playing music and you're starting to move around, like laughing or whatever else like that's the stuff that's the stuff that I want so for me it's showing you it's almost like when you put makeup on and it's that natural look but it's a little bit elevated like that's how I want it to to feel when you look at your photos and by elevated I mean more just like they're happy moments I think it's just the way that you approach the people that you photograph fully and like when I take pictures of myself and selfies of Maeve and myself I'm not putting filters on them I'm not like, and that's okay if people do that. And that's okay if people get plastics and all of that. Like, I really feel autonomy is, is very important, but I'm approaching it from a place of, I want her to like all the things about herself, even if they're not deemed perfect. The photograph is just, that's just like one more tool we have to document our lives, to connect with other people. It's not like selfies or the fact that social media exists is yeah. making us more likely to self-objectify or objectify others. Yeah. It's the way we approach it. Yeah, 100%. As the photographer, yeah. as the editor, as the subject. Yeah. As a parent, yeah. I think that is really so important to change that I have. So the one thing I'm doing this season, because I've noticed um, we're recording this in November, I'm already starting to get all of the targeted ads of like weight loss, um, of course. skin firming, Botox, all this stuff that I did not ask for, <laughs> not subscribing to, but I've just started to like tap the three little dots in the middle in the corner and be like, I'm going to report this as Good offensive content. Go. I love it is that. Offensive. You know, there's no reason that you should be just on your phone trying to catch up with your friends and family and getting bombarded with a message that like, yeah. you're not enough right now. Yeah. No. I, we've heard that our entire lives. Like I'm done with it. No, thank you. And like, don't come after my daughter. Like, mm -mm, mm -mm. no. And sons like that's the other thing like if you think about like I'm not one of those people that's like I kind of am a kind of, but like anti-porn all of that but it's like you think about the way that little boys are also raised like what do they expect us to look like like perfection like that's yeah. part of it too like it's not just girls getting these messages think about movies you think about like I saw a TikToker do, it was like a three minute video and she was just showing for like movie covers from like the nineties. And it was like women's legs. It never showed their faces. Like it was a man and he was like throwing a football and she's wearing, like you just see the cheerleader skirt and it's just her legs or it's her lane. And it's like her body's like this and he's like driving a car on, like everything's so objectified. And that's how we grew up. Like we're just objects. So really changing the narrative for boys and girls. Like so oh, important. Yeah. We had 
my husband had a conversation about that when our son was born we had these like i just started looking around our house and being like we have a coaster with like a pinup girl on it which i love mm -hmm. I, like i really like pinup girl art i think yeah. it's really yeah. cute yeah, yeah, yeah. i think there's a lot of empowering things about it and then i'm like yeah I also don't want my son to grow up literally putting his drink on a woman's body, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as an object. Yeah. So like yeah. going through the house, I'm like, what do I have to get out here so that my son isn't subconsciously seeing like, oh, women's bodies are things. Yeah, that's, I'm proud of you. That's, I mean, that's a whole step in the right direction. It's, I mean, I think it's important. And also my husband's like, oh, well, what about if it's like just in the shed i'll just put it out in the shed i'm like great so he thinks that like it's okay in guys spaces for yeah, women to be yeah. like no that's not okay yeah. either like i yeah i get that you've had this you know victoria's secret poster on the wall of your garage for years and also yeah. i don't want our son to see that yeah yeah well, you know the things you have and to think about are insane it's so much being a parent is ridiculous <laughs> it's the pit <laughs> it's, the, it's the pit I was like, why did I sign up for this? I don't know. No, I mean, I, I say a lot, like, I love my child. I am so grateful to be his mom. And also, I cannot really recommend the experience of parenthood. No, I'm like, when does this get better? When? People keep telling know. me and I keep holding on. So you and I both became moms around the same time. And I think we both were kind of skeptical about you know the benefits the nice of the <laughs> um so i know that i had never really wanted to be a mom i know lots of women who do know that they want to be a mom yeah. that was never me all of my friends um, yeah and i i think the thing i was most scared of going into pregnancy was the idea that like to be a good mom I would have to be less of myself and just freaking yeah. out because I didn't even know exactly who I was yet or who I wanted to be. Yeah. And I feel like in a lot of ways, my mom and her generation, you know, believe that to be a good parent, you had to be all about your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And just worrying that I didn't have it in me to do that. Um, yeah. Or that worse, I did have it in me to do that. And then I was just going to disappear. Yeah. And Disappear. wondering for so, you because i know you were really anxious about becoming a mom as well yeah what was it for you is it that same kind of thought pattern or was there anything else that was on so your many I, so i actively did not like it wasn't even a do i want to be a mom i was like i do not i don't i just know myself enough i've never really liked kids like i was obsessed with my niece but other than that like i, I didn't want to play with other people's kids like so i just i didn't have it in me i loved my life I loved running my business um, and I watched my mom be a martyr. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. That's just not who I am. And especially after going through a divorce, I was just like, the thoughts too of if, if that would have happened, I probably would have stayed because I would have been worried about the child or just thinking about how much of myself in any life circumstance was, I was going to have to sacrifice, just like you said, like become invisible. And another big thing for me, when we decide, when I accidentally got pregnant and we had the conversations and my husband's now husband is so wonderful about it. He's like, you know, whatever you decide, I will support you. It's your body. It's your life. I'm not going to tell you I'm excited. I'm not going to tell you I'm not excited because I don't want it to influence your decision. So that was the best thing he could have said to me. 
Um, but when I was like, I think I want to do this. And we had the conversations, we had many conversations because I watched my parents and I smart person. And I was like, I'm so, I love our relationship and I know I'm going to resent you. I know it's going to change. It doesn't matter how supportive you are. You're never going to be able to be the parent I'm going to have to be because I'm a woman and I know I'm going to resent you. I know, like I knew when I was pregnant, I was like, I already know, I know I'm going to resent you. And it's, that has been one of the hardest struggles. And, you know, the bar is bare minimum for men to be a good dad. They literally take them to the grocery store by themselves and people are like, oh my God, look at him. So it's, it's, he's wonderful. And I definitely want to give him credit in that he is fantastic, but it will never be what I have gone through. And he will never understand. The only people that can understand is other mothers. That's it. Point blank. Even if it's a stay at home dad, even if it's a single dad, they will not understand because it's just, there's moments of it that he'll never see like the middle of the night breastfeeding where he's sleeping beside me. And, you know, he would wake up still, but it's, me sitting there crying, going, I can't do this another goddamn day. I can't do this. I'm going to lose my mind. I want to throw her into the wall because she bit me or touched me or I can't have now the dog's laying on me. And like, he'll never know what that feels like. As stressful as his day is, it's not the same. And right now we're going through the attachment phase where it's like, she literally won't let him. She doesn't want him to bathe her. She doesn't want him to put her PJs on. She doesn't want him to read. to. He'll be like, can I read to you? No, hands it to me. And I'm like, can I get five minutes to, like it's so <laughs> it's so hard I'm and it's he texted me this morning I I took her into daycare and she had a rough rough drop off and we had a rough weekend where I told you she got injured and I kept her home with me yesterday I spoiled her and I had a rough drop off where she was crying and I got in my car and I just cried I just cried because it's the guilt it's the guilt it's the guilt doesn't if I take her to daycare I feel guilty if I keep her home and she's bored I feel guilty it's just always guilt and I was like, this season, she has needed me since birth and she's going to be two months old. And I was like, I'm or two years old. And I'm just wondering when she'll have, let somebody else be that comfort for her. And he, and he, I won't say it as gracefully as he did, but he's like, it's a beautiful and heartbreaking thing. How much she needs you and loves you right now. Like it's so much, there's so much beauty in it, but there's also so much loneliness and it's crazy how millions of moms can be around the world at 3am breastfeeding their child or whatever time it is. And it's happening yet. You feel like you're the only one doing it. And it's so isolating. And those are the parts that I, I mean, I didn't even know to know how hard this was going to be. And again, the body stuff, right? We're, we were so afraid of our moms, like my body's going to change. And I'm so afraid of birth. And it's like, no one warned me how hard the first year would be. No one told me I would want to drive off a fucking bridge. No one told me oh, it's hard, but it'll get better. Like no one. So while I never wanted children and I knew it was going to be hard, I never, ever knew it was going to be this hard. Like ever, ever, ever. So yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It is. It's like beautiful and awful. And yes, yes, yes. I think it is. It is really lonely because you are, you know, you're so isolated when it's happening because yes. you're up at three and even maybe your best friend is up. I was really blessed in that one of my best friends who lives just a few blocks away from me got pregnant like a month after me. Yeah. Yeah. We're literally going through the same thing. Yeah. The whole way. 
And yet when I'm up at three, I don't know that she's up at three. Yes. It's also <laughs> so different too, right? Like, because she could be up at three, because she, but she could be up at three because she's having her postpartum anxiety, right? Where she's lay, just laying awake. You could be up at three because your baby's colicky and hasn't slept in three days and you're losing your mind. And it's like, it, it's such, it's still such an isolating thing. And she may be down the road from you, but she can't come help you. Like she's also going through it. And that's been really hard for me too, is the friendships that just naturally have not fizzled, but like, I, we can't be there for each other like we used to be. And that part really, really hard for me, really. And a lot of my friends, I, I was 38 when I had her, a lot of my friends had already had like, you know, older children. So it was just, even then it was very, very different where they were in a different season of their life. So that part yeah. was hard too. Yeah. And I feel like you almost forget as you get a, as your kid gets a little bit older you sort of put blinders over how hard it was nature it's nature and it's survival because what you're in right now seems so hard now my kid is turning 3 and now my stress is like he lives for being able to run out in a parking lot between parked cars no, as yeah. fast as he can and try to get away from me i'm like i am so grateful that i was able to come to motherhood in a way that brought me through like yoga and a lot of spirituality and a yeah. lot of, you know, counseling, education, and all these different things that meant like I can recognize in a lot of ways what help I might need or what I'm going through. Like I can feel like, okay, I am anxious and panicking right now, but also I can't show that I'm anxious and panicking because yes. the most important thing is that my kid thinks I'm entirely calm. And so despite the fact that I am actively having a panic attack, I am also yes. completely masking, right? And I'm yes. just like, at least I have language to talk about it, which I am so grateful for. Yes. Um, I think for it's me, the regulation. that's the hardest. Yeah, I'm, I'm an anxious person. Me too. And so, being being triggered or being in an anxiety attack or in a panic attack around my kid and yeah. having to just like hold it yeah regulate myself as best i can yeah wait for him to go to sleep and then yeah. just like do it's what such i can a, it's such a uh balance too though megan like there's such a so our generations like you know, the gentle parenting, the self-regulating, you're being a parent to yourself while you're trying to be a parent to your child. Like the self-regulating is the hardest, like when you're just sitting there shaking, like if they repeat the same thing, one more, like asking for this, I'm going to like, I'm just going to, and there's times where I have to, where I look at my husband, I'm like, I need to go into the other room. And of course she follows, she like, like she's banging on the she door screaming. So even in the other room, I can't, I'm like, oh my God, like I can't write. Cause then I feel guilty because she's crying for me. But there's also that, like, again, the martyr thing where I I need her to see sometimes because when she is an adult, I want her to be able to show those emotions and have a support yes. system that goes, hey, I see you're going through that. And like, how can I help you? And like the like breathing and the, you know, maybe mommy's in the middle of a panic attack. It's not you, but I just I need like five minutes. OK. And of course, they're too young right now. They'd be like, what do you mean? You need five minutes? But like <laughs> as they're getting older to like show show so I think I'm trying to find that balance because I don't want to be the perfect mom I want to be the human mom that's like 
I'm having a really hard day and like this, I just need five minutes. Okay. And that boundary of like, when you need five minutes, mommy's going to give you five minutes too. I think it's such a give and take like dance with our children. Cause I'm an expert, right? I'm an expert on children. I have one one (laughs) two-year-old. Well, I think we all think that we're an expert on children. We're really like an expert on our child. I'm not. I have no, half the time I'm like, what do you say? The amount of times I go, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you want. And you're screaming it at me. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what she wants half the time. Yeah. I feel that. I also have noticed recently that I will be astonished that other people don't understand what I think is super understandable (laughs) for my kid. Yes. (laughs) My cute 14 year old niece, Maeve says all this stuff. And then Matt and I were repeating it really again. She goes, how did you, how do you understand? And I'm like, I don't know, man, just a a parent thing. It's a parent thing. I don't know. Yeah. My neighbor was like, wait, is he speaking English or is he speaking baby talk? And I was like, a little bit of both, I guess. He Uh, asked for, he asked for a strawberry donut. I don't know how you didn't understand though. No, I love what you said. I don't want to be the perfect mom. I want to be the human mom. And I think there's still, even as we talk about that more, we talk about like the standards that we hold each other to are unrealistic. The standards mm-hmm. that we hold ourselves to are unrealistic. Yes. And we need to be able to show our kids for all of the different reasons, but especially because they will eventually be in a position where they're yeah. the grownups and maybe they're the parents. Yeah. But, like, but think how hard that is be because it's. Person. Because our parents' generation was the opposite. Like, as wonderful as my parents, they're the opposite. And so, like, you don't want to go too far. Like, so not only am I, again, gentle parenting and doing all this, it's so the opposite of the way I was raised. So really, you are. You're, like, learning it for the first time while you're having a toddler scream at you. So it's like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. So that's why I think, like, having the balance of really regulate, like do the best you can with the regulating, do the best with the gentle, all of that. But also like, if you need five minutes, you need five minutes. Like I'm not superhuman and sometimes I'm going to lose. And especially I've noticed really bad around my cycle where normally, normally during the month, if she, if I'm losing it, I can just breathe. Like if I'm washing the dishes and she's like screaming, my husband's saying, I can breathe and get them be like, wait a minute. And I noticed like last week where I was in my cycle, I was snapping. I was like, you have, and then I I was like, nope, I got to walk away. Cause what I told my husband too, is this is another thing that men just won't understand because they don't have the same hormone issues that we do. I was like, there's no amount of breath work, meditation, anything that can get you through a moment of regulation when your hormones are like this. And those are the moments that I just need to leave the house. Because That's why we need those sedation I clinics. Can't. Sedate me, babe. If I yell at her, just put the gas on me. I'm out. And then she looks at me and I'm smiling. I'm like, mom is back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we become rich, Megan. We try, You know the IV clinics and how they travel to people's house? Mm-hmm. We're going to be sedation clinics. And we're going to come, hey, mom, you need a little toot toot, little gas gas? We got you. So that's highly illegal. That's I know. Problematic in so many ways. Just go back to like the 20s of drugging, drugging the moms. Fine. Right. And yeah. And you think you think to yourself like, oh, my gosh, in the 19, 
50s and the 1960s like they were just doing this that all the moms were No. doing this and they were fine and it's They like were no wasted. they were self-medicating Yes. They were drunk No. the whole day Yep. and that was just fine Yep. and normal and also they weren't I feel like it just goes back and forth, right? Every generation tries to do better than the generation before Yes. them. And they Yes. end up doing better in some ways and messing up in new Yes. and different ways. And Yes. we're just kind of continuing that cycle. I like to remind myself that most of the people I know are fine. And all of Most. them were raised by parents who didn't put <laughs> half this amount of like thought yes. and Yeah. pressure into whether or not they were Yeah. parenting right It's true. and like look at how many humans there are on the planet like they've all descended from other humans who successfully Yeah. raised their children who successfully raised their children like Yeah. we're gonna be okay probably I mean, I guess it, de it depends on your definition of successfully raised, right? I don't know. I also try to remind, like, in the moments there's that they it's like, they alived until they're alive and that's <laughs> that's yeah that's the older generation right you survived oh wow but really the, i'll tell my therapist that thank you but the the like oh, what was i gonna say oh when those moments when i say moments it's really been two years of moments where it's like really really hard i it's it's not just like to to survive that moment but i truly believe that those moments are so hard because we are trying to be good parents i feel like you know, I don't want to keep hating on the older generation. Cause again, they just got through what they could from the past generation. Like we're all just trying to do our best, right? Most of us, Yes. but And also, it's like, I know they were trying to be the best parents that right. they could be. But like, but like ba babysitters, they didn't know would just show up and babysit us. Like, and my mom was amazing, but it's, I think about that. Like she she's two next month and we for the first time last month had our first overnight without her and it took my mom coming down here from Jacksonville to like and I'm still like I don't know I won't trust I don't trust the babysitter I don't and it's it makes it so like I can't I, I don't have a life like I don't I've got to be there for bedtime I have to and I I'm not saying that you're a bad parent if you don't do that but that's what I do in my family and for me I feel like that's what makes it so hard sometimes. Cause I see the, the hard part is comparison. Right. And I see other friends or I see people on social media who have a weekly date night who go out of the country once a year for a vacation for like a week. And I'm like, I could never, I could never. And, and they it's, they're like having their fourth kid and they're like, what's so hard about it? Like, yeah, of course it's hard. But like, and I'm like, but you have a village, you have a village. And so that's what I have to remind myself of, of like, I don't have all of that. And so it is really hard sometimes. And I'm just trying to make the best decisions for her. And I hope it gets easier one day. Like I really do. I, I really need her to become more independent because I need a life. I think, I think she will. I think it's out there, right? Like one day, possibly one day far in the future, but like one day she will not even want to be around you No, I know. I for know. like, But for it's days like, it's at a like time. the, <laughs> and it's like the, it's like the, we'll enjoy it now because you're going to miss it that doesn't help me like No, I'm not when she's saying screaming enjoy it now. no 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 I'm saying no like I know there's I know a light I at know the end of the there tunnel. is For me, no I know I'm what like, you're there's saying gonna come a day, right? My my kid wakes up every morning <laughs> at like 5.30 and I'm like, same you just have to hold out till he's like 12, same 13. He's and you're not waking gonna wake him up up before two. Like, you got this. You just have to last a couple more years. But that's the shit part of parenting. I'm like, that's it. I'm just waiting for her to grow up. Like, that's the part that hurts. Like, I, but it's like, 
it's it's such a it's such a wild ride because that's what we remind ourselves. We went to the mountains and it was our first vacation. We went last month. We're like we're going for a week. She's getting on an airplane for the first time. Like it's time to go. We hadn't traveled since before COVID for for vacation. I did for work like once, and so we get there and like it was one of the nights we're at a restaurant and she eats out a lot. Like she's used to restaurants, but we were just like tired and we just wanted to like have a night out right and I was like just it's one of those where we're sitting there and it was a quiet moment and I was like we're gonna have so many vacations when she's gone and I know we're gonna be sitting here in the mountains one day going god I wish she was sitting here eating with oh this is my <laughs> it's so hard because it's like all day I'm like go to sleep I just want a minute to myself and then she's asleep and you're looking at the photos and you're like god I'm gonna miss it and she did the cutest thing today and it's like what a beautiful little monster like I don't understand how I'm so obsessed with her but I'm also like leave me alone it's so (laughs) confusing I love that like you can be in this kind of confusing heartbreaking beautiful struggle that is motherhood and you still go out and take the most absolutely angelic photos it's my escape (laughs) (laughs) just kidding but yeah what has that been like for you to go out and do like these family photo sessions or like nursing sessions or like and it was it was really hard at first honestly like trying to schedule when she was really young because I was doing the I breastfed her until she was 18 months and so like a sunrise session when she would normally be like in the bed with because she's she now is at a point where she's co-sleeping because I'm like, do I want to sit next to her crib for 40 minutes while she falls asleep or just put her in the bed with me? So that's <laughs> where I am right now. It's a season. So that was really hard for me. But like emotionally, I talk about how I've always had a soft spot for mothers and women in general. But having her has like just the amount of grace now. Like if a mom needs to reschedule, if, if she takes two days to email me back or like, you know, just that extra level of care of like, don't even worry about it. I'm going to figure this out for you. I don't want you to lift a finger. Um, but yeah, the emotion, I feel like I already like worked really hard to capture those special moments. But now I realize too, when I'm like about to, when I'm getting all my photos and I'm editing them and I'm going through them, there are moments that I now save that I didn't necessarily before would have been like, eh, that's not a great picture of mom or what, you know what I mean? And now I think about me and I'm like, I don't care what my face looks like. If that were my child making that face right there, I would put it so big on my wall. So I think it's kind of changed my perspective because how could it not change me as a human, right? I'll never be the Shannon that I was before ever. And there are parts of her that I've grieved. And then there are other parts that I'm like, God, you're a badass and you're even stronger and better than you were before. So I really feel like it's made me not only a better artist, but just more attentive and really the way that I like approach and the way that I like put their curate I say curate their art is just it's just different it's different it's I feel like it's more involved and that sounds awful because I don't want people to think that like if I photographed them before I had a kid that I didn't care that I didn't like still gave them those moments but it was it's just a very different approach now um and the questions that I ask are a little bit different too because I know what moves me and what means the most to me so, yeah. The other question I had for you that we hadn't really come around to, um, 
Yeah, uh, the idea of like vanity and how much women are judged for, you know, if if you don't step in front of the camera, people judge you for being too self-conscious, yeah. not wanting to participate. You got all this messaging about like, oh, you're going to regret this later. You're going to want your kids to have memories of yeah. you, which are all valid points. But on yeah. the other side of it, if you do very freely go in front of the camera or, I, you know, if you're one of your clients, you have like a picture of them framed really big on their wall as you come into the house, then you get yeah. comments about vanity, right? How how dare she think she is yeah. art, right? Again, can we just exist? That would be nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, so, so as a photographer, and I think just the, the way you do work with it and you help these women create like art pieces to display in the home, and that's a big part of it. Do you have conversations with them about like that perception of vanity and what are those like? Yes. Yes. So it, it varies. I have some women that are like you and me, right? That they've had a ton of conversations and they're like, F this, I'm doing something for myself. And then I have had the vein has been used. The like people don't understand why I would want to do like a boudoir session of myself. They think that's weird or I'm in my fifties and like, why would I want to do this? I'm married. Why is it all of it? And it's like, it's like the child thing, right? Like putting a picture up of yourself to help build your confidence. But for me, a huge message in my business and my branding is that women are invisible. We are invisible. Like everything that goes on behind the scenes in our children's lives that, that people don't, I mean, like the checking the school messages and did they do their homework and what are they going to have to eat for all of their meals and snacks and like just all of the things. And what I noticed is that what I, when I started to do more family photography, I started to notice that mom always hid in the background. It was like, not only was she so worried about what everybody else was going to wear and thought about herself last, the actual photo session, it was the insecurities would just come up and they would put the kids in front of them or they would want to be like, you know, kind of to the background or, you know, just photograph. I've had women like, you can just do a session of my children. And I'm like, no. So my big thing is, even if you're grappling with that and you're like, is this vain? Is this not? Think about your children. Like, even if you, I don't want the women to have to take themselves out of the equation. I want us to feel worthy and valuable with or without children. You're worthy just because you are, just because you're alive, you're breathing, you're a worthy human. You should, you should have life, right? But if you can't get past that, think about your children and think about you showing up and think about as they grow older. Like I love having photos of my mom from when I was a child. I think about when she passes, if like having those memories of her. So it's not vanity to want to show up in your own life. It's not vanity to want to show up in your child's life and to document that. Like I look at pictures of Maeve and myself from a year ago when I get emotional, like look at us, look at us and the way she's looking at me and like, I can't imagine if I didn't have that. And I can't imagine what that's going to feel like 20 years from now. Like those pictures with my baby 20 years from now, when she's like off to college or Paris or whatever the hell she's doing, like, what is that going to feel like? And especially like when, with really young children, I, like we were saying, I already have memory issues. And then the first year was a blur. I don't remember it. Like if I didn't have those photos, there's so many photos I look back on and I'm like, I don't even remember that, how I got through that day. <laughs> I do not remember. And I'm so glad that I have a photo of it. So again, it's just like, 
men don't get held to the same standard. Like, why are we holding ourselves to the standard? And you know what? Even if it is vain, do it. Who cares? Who cares? Like, like you and I were saying 20 years ago, we look at photos of ourselves in like college and we're like, damn, I was a babe. Like, why not memorialize that? And I have women that are going through divorce. I have women that survive cancer. I have women that are going through 30 years of a beautiful marriage. I have women who have five children. I, I mean, it's just celebrating different parts of life or just trying to figure, I have women that are like, I've never like seen myself in like a good light. Let's do this. And other women who are like, I used to, and then I had children and they moved out. And now I want to see myself again. I don't even know who I am. And so like really, really documenting that, um, is it, I think it's just important. I really do think it's important and we don't do enough of it. Even with the photos that people hang on their walls at home, it tends to be around like a special event or a special day. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I think that's all very beautiful and fun to celebrate and remember those events. One of my favorite photos to see in my house is the one of like my husband and I shoving cake at each other at our wedding. Yeah. This is one of my favorite photos ever. I look like an alien. It's wonderful. <laughs> and, um, I love you. But you know, if you're going to a museum, like the posed portraits are like, okay, but it's the scenes of like daily life that we really yeah. stop and we look at and we think, yes. about, wow, what must it have been like to yeah. be in this person's world? Yep. Right. Like It's the same not... thing if you think about like influencers too, right? Like I love watching a curated video. I love watching the perfect, perfectly prepared meal, like in the perfect cast iron and the beautiful kitchen. And I love that. I scroll past a million of those, but when I scroll and I see a mom in front of the camera and she's got tears in her eyes and she's like, today was really fucking hard. It's like, it's the same thing with like, uh, yes, a beautiful portrait of you smiling at the camera is wonderful. It's beautiful. You should have, like, I still take those at every session. I want people to have those. I want them to have the like family, everyone looking. And I'm like, great, now play. Great. Move around. That's done. We don't need any more of that. So it's in the same vein of like, we just want to feel something. We want to feel it and we want to feel connected. I think that's it. That's a huge part of it. Huge part of it is the connection. The connection, I think, is what we're all sort of missing right now, too. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. and even when COVID the... changed all of us, like we yes. didn't have connection for like two years. And then politics and like now there's a war and it's just like, we just want connection. We just want, like, that's all we want is to feel seen and to be held and have community. And so many of us are lacking so much of that. Well, thank you for connecting with me today in this way. I hate that you live so far away. I know. Uh <laughs> I do too. Trust me. Trust me. I live far away from all of my friends. They're all over the U.S. I'm so mad at everybody for having a life. But I'm so glad that we can connect like this. And I hope we do it again yeah. soon, even if I'm I not recording too. it. Yeah, um, I have a couple last like rapid fire rapid questions. Fire. Yeah, they're super easy unless they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out. I'm like, don't don't put that pressure on me. What if they're not easy? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so what is the last book that you read and absolutely loved? Okay. Full honesty. I'm not a reader. I used to be when I was a kid podcast. I listen to podcasts like every day and especially cause I walk every morning. Um, God. Yeah. 
I don't really have books. I've read like business books. That's what about, is the last podcast then that you, because oh I know podcast is reading. I'll be like, I read something recently. And what I mean is I read on this podcast. Yeah, that's so for me, um, I have a few like photography ones, but probably mainstream. My favorite one is Terrible Thanks for Asking with Nora McNa McNamara. Her husband died of brain cancer. And then she like, when she's remarried, but she, it's so the, every episode is about like awful things that have happened to people and it doesn't like wrap it up with some like, oh, but then this, but it's, it's done so beautifully that it's like the connection, like you feel, oh, it's just such an amazing podcast. It's my favorite. Oh, I love that. I'll I like depressing stuff. <laughs> Makes me feel alive. <laughs> I think that's important. You know, you gotta yeah. have windows into the full, the yeah. full complexity the of the experience. human experience. Yeah. 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 And as long Agreed. as it doesn't like trigger your personal triggers, yes. I'm all about a depression. Oh, I couldn't story. listen to it the first year of made being born. I was like, I can't listen to this podcast. I'm finally back in it. I'm like, all right, we're good now. My hormones are a little bit more regulated. We're good. <laughs> um, what is the song right now that you turn on when you need to feel super confident? Oh, geez. I usually just listen to Pandora. I'm so old school, too. My husband's like, you know, we have Spotify. Like, you don't have to listen to ads. I'm like, mm. um, I love anything Brandy Carlisle. Like, she really, I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed with her. I feel like she just, like, the soul. So I don't even know if I have a favorite. I just love Brandy Carlisle's music. I would say that. Okay, last question. What is one thing that you do regularly to help keep you in touch with your like best, highest, most true self? Well, my walks. I do like two mile walks in the mornings. I take the dogs and I just put my podcast on and it's it's where I can step away and think about like, I feel like that's where I can get creative because I'm away from my computer. I'm away from my phone. And I really like, that's where I come up with like business ideas and like, I just dropped Maeve off from daycare. I get home and I immediately like go. And so it's, it's my favorite, favorite moment of the day for sure. And I've tried, like I have the calm app. I try meditating. I, I keep retrying it. I want to get into it. I'm not into yoga. Like I've tried all of it. I've tried the breath work and I just, I don't know. I need to like move my body like quickly. I feel like for me, it's just the way my brain works. I think it's cause I'm like lazy by nature and an introvert. So the thought of meditation, I'm like, I'm already lazy. Like I want, I want to like go and then I'm done for the day. I'm like, all right, now I'm just going to eat and like you know, work pretty much. I like that. So you're lazy by nature. So your meditation has to be movement. Yeah. I think that's what <laughs> if it is. If you're like, go, honestly. go, go by nature, then maybe your meditation would be a little bit more like, okay, let's yeah. sit down and breathe yeah. for a bit. Yeah. For me, it's like walking and, and reality TV. Like, that's it. I like to disassociate. That's what it is. I, like, I don't want to think. I don't want to meditate. I don't want to like be in my body. I I'm like, just get me out of here. That, that's so sad. My truths are coming out. I don't think that's, I think that's totally normal. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Megan. I Even can cancel my, my therapy appointments. No, keep those. My, but... no, I remember I was talking to my therapist one day and I was like, I'm just having a really hard day and I'm like trying to stick with it and I'm feeling my feelings and I don't like these feelings, but I'm in them and I'm just like 
really want to be out of them. Like I want to have Yeah. a drink or I want to Yes. like numb myself with like Netflix Yes. or something. And she was like, Yes. you know, that's okay. Like that's a totally valid way I love to her. cope with it. She's like, yes, feeling, you don't want to never feel your feelings. You don't want Right. to be terrified of feeling your feelings, but if you're Right. feeling them and they're too much for right now, then Yeah. okay. Like do Yeah. what you need She's to like, do to just, make yourself feel just safe. stick, just stick away from the heroin though. She's like, just don't maybe, <laughs> maybe the well, sedation I, clinic, maybe. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even know <laughs> how to go about obtaining drugs at I this know point you're in my a nerd life. like me. I feel like You're a nerd my like me. I know. mother-in-law has like a medical marijuana card and that's like the closest I have to a connect at this point in my life. And then also I, um, you know, I am not a big medication person in that, like, you know, I have a really weird reaction to a lot of medications. Like today at the dentist, they're like, you know, like you're taking a lot more anesthetic that we normally give to a patient. Like it's not really working the way we thought. Um, but I've always had that experience with even like prescription medications where I'm like, I don't know what this is going to get me. Like this could send me to a really happy place or a really terrifying place. And so for me, like recreational drug use is sort of, you know, it's almost like too much of a risk. I'm not You were, mentally you were the exact stable enough same. I tried to explain it to to my husband roll because those he's dice. never, he doesn't have anxiety. Like he doesn't know what a panic attack feels like. And so I'm like, why would I want to put myself in a panic state when that's where I live? Like, cause that's my thing. I don't know. I remember the first time I took Xanax, I took it for, cause I had to have a medical procedure. I was 23 years old and I, and I was so nervous about it and they were going to put me under. And I was like, what if I'm allergic to anesthesia and I don't wake up? I was just spiraling. And they're like, we're going to prescribe you Xanax. You know, it was like a week before and the day of, it took me an hour. It was the lowest dose. It took me an hour to take the pill because I was like, I knew as soon as I took it, I was going to start freaking out and get claustrophobic of like, how do I get this thing out of me now? And I did, it took me an hour just to take a Xanax. And of course, 30 minutes after I was like, this is great. And I should probably not take more of these on a regular basis, but at same, same thinking, same thinking. But it's so funny how I'm like, I don't, I mean, I smoked pot before, but like the thought of like buying it from someone, I'm like, what if it's like laced with something, but I'll take Xanax, like I'll take like pharma Yeah. stuff. It makes no sense. Like, that's why I try to tell Matt anxiety is not based in logic. Don't try to understand this. It doesn't make sense. Don't try to rationalize No. it. Like, And I can have like the same drug, same prescription. I'll take it this day. I am fine. It relieves yeah. my pain. I take it the next day. I am hallucinating. Like, <laughs> I'm like, on the this floor is snow angels sounds crazy, but it's just like, I don't know. And uh, like, I have um, smoked pop before too. And it's been like, Sometimes I get very mellow and I'm very happy yeah and this is a great experience. And I've had other times where it's same, same substance and I'm in like an anxiety deep spiral. yeah it's so And scary so I'm like, oh, it's at, at this point, I'm like, it's not worth it. I will no stick to no I know my sleepy time tea because I know how that will make me feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god how old are we my sleepy so old. time you're so cute Yes. whatever I took works up knitting recently. I think that makes me even I could older. see you knitting I could Mm see -hmm. you knitting it fits you I really like I love it. It's it another hobby where I can sit and do and you can use nothing. your hands it's like My a hands fidget are busy. are busy. it's like people have fidgeters
the same thing. Yeah, it's like a fidget toy, but then at the end yeah. you have a lot. Like, you wow. have something. <laughs> uh, one sock, because then I got tired from my sleepy time tea and I went to bed. I literally do have like one sock that I knit the whole sock and then I was like, well, that was a lot. And now three years later, I'm starting the next sock. <laughs> you need to find a friend who's an amputee and then you can just give them a sock. Oh, well, thank you so, so much. This was thank just you. an amazing way to spend my morning. I absolutely Same. love you. I'm so glad I love that you we were too. able to connect on this and I always love talking to you. Yeah. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to I Hope This Finds You. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help us find even more people. You can connect with Shannon at at Shannon Griffin on Instagram and with me at at Megan Gilman. See you next time.